to Birkbeck Voices, the monthly podcast with the latest news and research from Birkbeck, University of London. I'm Bryony Merritt. This month I'm talking to Professor Hilary Fraser, Executive Dean of the School of Arts at Birkbeck and Geoffrey Tillotson Chair of 19th Century Studies. Thank you for talking to us today, Professor Fraser. Hello, thank you. Hello. Professor Fraser's new book, Women Writing Art History in the 19th Century, Looking Like a Woman, was, was published by Cambridge University Press and looks at the emergence of art history as an academic discipline during the 19th century and challenges the view that during this period it was a masculine intellectual field in which women only played minor or secondary roles. Professor Fraser, can you briefly explain the changes that were taking place in Victorian Britain that led to the emergence of art history as a new intellectual discipline? Well, perhaps the most important impetus for the development of the discipline was the fact that opportunities for the general public to view the fine arts in Britain, as well as in continental Europe, expanded on an unprecedented scale. The National Gallery more than doubled the size of its collection between 1843 and 1855, for example, and the Manchester Art Treasures Exhibition of 1857 meant that even works in private collections could be publicly viewed. And at the same time, the development of... Um, steam travel and tourism meant that it became easier and cheaper for people to go over to the continent to see artworks in situ. And fine art images made their way into shop windows and into the home, not only in the fashionable streets of London or via educated networks such as the Arundel Society, but in provincial towns and in the pages of the Penny Press. Now that, um, as the art historian Anna Jamison observed in 1843, the penny magazine could place a little print after Mantegna at once before the eyes of 50,000 readers, the fine arts were made democratically available to an entirely new viewing public. Britain became a nation of spectators and critics. And so this new exposure to the fine arts, both at home and in the new age of popular tourism abroad, led to an outpouring of words on the subject of art, ranging from formal academic treatises and monographs on artists to articles and reviews for the periodical press, museum catalogues and popular guidebooks. And why was art history considered to be a male realm during the 19th century? What was it that prevented women from playing a more prominent role in the formalisation or the professionalisation of the discipline? Well, there were many obstacles that prevented women from pursuing a professional writing life, including the legal constraints and social taboos surrounding women's rights to earn and own an income, that reforms such as the Married Women's Property Acts only began to lift later in the 19th century. Women's access to institutions, professions and discourses remained highly regulated and circumscribed throughout the 19th century, which made it hard for them to claim the kind of authority that a university education, for example, or membership of a professional association conferred upon men. Notwithstanding these constraints, though, as I argue, a number of women did develop formidable reputations as art historians in the period. Yes, you identify several female writers or art critics who were quite prolific during the 19th century, um, going to press viewings, writing regular reviews in the papers, but they seem to have been largely erased from the historiography of art writing. And why has this happened? Well, one reason is exactly that they wrote reviews in the press, which was a highly ephemeral form of publication. Another is that scholarship on 19th century art writing has been very focused on a few individuals, such as John Ruskin and Walter Pater, and this has skewed our view of what was a much more varied cultural field. Ruskin was, of course, uh, an important and influential figure, 
but his was not the only voice. Indeed, although Ruskin himself was disparaging of Anna Jamison, saying that she knows as much of art as the cat, uh, according to 19th century French art historian Alexis-François Riel, uh, Jamison had a, had a greater influence on the artistic education of the British public than any of her contemporaries, uh, including Ruskin. And is this a problem that particularly affects art history more than other academic disciplines because of the fact that so much art presents, um, to use the words of another book, like scholar Laura Mulvey, who you quote in your book, um, women as image, man as bearer of the look? Yes, I do think that the idea that women were to be looked at made it harder for them to acquire visual authority. This is something that feminist scholars writing on 19th century art in the 1970s and 80s were very alert to, and they did superb work in recuperating the work of many Victorian women painters who'd been neglected for decades. However, they were less sympathetic to women art historians and critics, viewing them as timid and rather complicit with the patriarchal discipline and profession of art history, because they didn't do more to promote women artists, although, as I argue, many of them did, or else they demonstrated an awareness of the obstacles faced by women artists that, in a way that anticipates second wave feminism. And your book argues that women played an important role in understanding visual culture in the Victorian period, although not always in formal art critical writings. So what were some of the other forms that women used to write about art? Well, they wrote fiction, poetry, travel writing, journalism, writing about fashion, writing about the home. Uh, and in all these contexts, they, they uh, wrote about art. And why was it possible for them to write about art through novels or travel guides and journalism, but not through formal art criticism? Well, the novel, for example, was regarded as a more feminine form. Fiction, letters, diaries, guidebooks, these were all genres that were regarded as suitable for women to write. And it was considered inappropriate for them to attempt historical treatises. And women didn't have to speak in their own person in a fictional work, but could allow their characters to express and act out sometimes quite radical ideas that they weren't able to express so readily in their more professionally art historical writing. And the convention of anonymity in journalism meant that the sex of the writer was not evident unless an article or review was signed. Could you explain something of how women were able to bring their knowledge to analyses of popular cultural forms such as photography or the art of dress or the art of furniture and how that has played a role in encouraging the inclusion of female producers and consumers in ideas of what art is? Well, some of the most serious and learned women art historians wrote about both high and popular culture. So, for example, Mary Merrifield wrote about uh, fresco, the art of fresco, um, uh, including lots of recipes for paint and um, colour. Uh, but she also wrote about women's fashion uh, in, in very imaginative ways, referring to the fine arts. Lady Eastlake uh, similarly wrote about painting and connoisseurship. Uh, and she also wrote about photography, which was, of course, a new form. And she, too, wrote about women's dress in relation to the fine arts. Amelia Dilk, writing later in the century, wrote about 18th century art in a very new way uh, because she includes, uh, for example, the decorative arts. 
And so all of these women uh, and many more were broadening uh, understanding and uh, definitions of art, what art is. And you suggest in the book that the fact that these women were writing from the margins gave them freedom to experiment with form and approaches and styles. And can you give some examples of how women broke free of the constraints that their male contemporaries were subjected to? Well, one of the things that I find interesting is that they, they wrote much more about the experience of uh, looking at art um, or the experience of being uh, a female artist. So, for example, uh, of the latter, Dinah Craig um, wrote uh, in her novel Olive uh, about uh, the struggles that a woman had to uh, make, her, uh, make herself felt within the art world and to be taken seriously and the kinds of um, institution and, and, and personal obstacles that she faced. Um, Vernon Lee wrote about um, how it felt to encounter the Renaissance uh, she lived in Italy and just walking through the streets uh, or, and uh, coming upon or coming upon a painting or a building um, and uh, how that takes her into the Renaissance um, and, and so it's a very different kind of writing. Michael Field um, who uh, uh, who was a, a, well two women who, um, uh, who uh, wrote under this uh, pseudonym um, uh, Catherine Bradley and Edith Cooper wrote ecrastic poetry together uh, in, uh, about their experiences in uh, art galleries looking at pictures. So it's a very different kind of writing about art. And finally, why does it matter today that women's role in um, the historiography of the discipline of art history is acknowledged and what are the challenges that, face, that today's feminist art historians are facing well, I think it matters because our sense of both the 19th century art scene and the genealogy of the modern discipline is distorted if we do not take account of these legions of women who were writing about art in the 19th century. The challenges are that we still have to overcome prejudices about the perceived quality of women's work, whether as artists or writers, so that their art is seen in galleries and so that their books that are out of print are republished and their work appears on syllabuses as a regular part of the curriculum rather than a ghettoised group of worthy but inevitably inferior or subsidiary figures because I don't think they were that. Thank you very much for um, sharing these fascinating insights into the development of art history during the 19th century. That's all for this month's Birkbeck Voices. For more information on news and research from the College, visit our website at www.bbk.ac.uk. Thank you.